Learn how to build your faith on God's Word and live a life of 100% victory 100% of the time. As you listen to the Senior Pastor, Davis Christian Center, Pastor Kingsley Okunkwo, and expect God's Word to work for you. You need to be dead to the things of this life and become alive unto God. So you are both dead and alive at the same time. Our text scripture is from Romans chapter 12. Let's start from there quickly. It says, um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? DJ, give me the version that says, which is your proper or pure worship. Because the word service there doesn't mean carrying chairs in church. The word service there doesn't mean um, um, being an usher. The word service there is talking about worship. Okay, good. It says, offer your body as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and what? Proper worship. If you think or say you're a worshiper of God, it's not about the singing, it's about the living. It's not about the singing, it's about living. Your worship starts after service, not during service. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? It's about your life. So you're a living sacrifice. For something to be sacrificed, it usually has to be killed. That's why we say dead man walking. If you are not yet dead, you can't be a worshiper. If you are so alive, to your own desire, so alive to your own reputation. You know there are people that there are some things they can't do for God because of what people other people will say. Then you are still alive to your reputation. Some people can, the reason why they can't come to church early is that they, they can't miss their Sunday sleep. You are still alive to your convenience and comfort. For you to be a worshiper, you must kill yourself. Not physical killing, but you must kill yourself to your natural desires, natural things. You don't want people to to, to speak negative about you. You're always bothered about what people will think. Even when you are serving in church, maybe your HOD or somebody in the department annoys you and you say, I'm not serving again. I don't like what they did to me. You are still too alive. You must be so dead that even when people do things that annoy you, it doesn't affect your worship. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? You understand that what you are doing is for an audience of one. And that person is God. Never the people. Somebody catching what I'm saying? Offer yourself as a living what sacrifice. You are alive, but you are dead. You have committed yourself so much that there's nothing about you that belongs to you. That is worship. Worship is not singing. That is what worship is. So many people in church are not actually worshippers. Because the worship even starts from the car park when somebody is blocking you. And the person has gone away. <laughs> the worship starts from when you get to children's church and they take long before they take your children or give you your children or register your children. That's where the worship starts from. Starts from when the chair you're sitting on is not comfortable. That's where the worship starts from. Your attitude that time will show whether you are actually mindful of God or you are mindful of self. If you are too alive, you can't serve God. That's just the truth. Because there will be too many things that will challenge God's place 
in your heart. So we're talking about consecration all through this month. And if you notice, they said, when you're a living sacrifice, you are holy. So that word holy is the same word we're talking about consecration. It simply means being set apart for the master's use. You are separated from the bulk. You are separated from the crowd. You are separated from others. You are separated from the general to be kept aside for God's use. That's what consecration is. So the question is, are you a consecrated Christian? Are you set apart? Do you understand that you are set apart for the master's use? Yeah, and, and, and I said that for every Sunday, we're going to talk about something you must lay down. Today, what we're talking about, last Sunday we talked about the fact that you must lay down money. We started with money. And we'll also launch our building project for our new sites. Praise God. So, yes, please clap if you want to clap. Praise God. Just in case you were not here last Sunday, um, we've started giving towards moving to our new site. If you already noticed, you can see how full this hall is. And those of you that have children, you know how difficult it is to get your children in and the crowd already there. Those of you that drive cars, you know how difficult it is to get a parking space. So all these things are suggesting that it's time for us to also move. All right? And we are the ones God we used to move. Do you understand? But the ones God will use. He's not going to send something from far. So everybody needs to give towards that project, please. If you have not pledged, please make a pledge today and give towards that project. Very important. So, you know, so last Sunday we talked about giving money. Talked about giving money. Laying it down. Today, we're going to talk about laying down everything you have. So this is not money now. Laying down yourself. Giving of yourself. You must present yourself. The reason why we have people that still do long debates about money or no money is because they don't understand that in Christianity, the first thing you are required to even give is your life. When you use the phrase, you have given your life to Christ. Many people don't take it literally, but it's actually literal. When you say you are making Jesus the Lord of your life, making him your Lord and Savior, it means you are no longer in charge of your life. If you don't belong to you, how can your money belong to you? If you don't belong to you, how can your car belong to you? If you don't belong to you, how can your career belong to you? You must get to the stage where God is free. And that is really what tithing is. Tithing is a token. Like I told you last week, our, when we lift our hands in worship, that's not the worship. That's a sign of the worship. Is somebody get what I'm saying? Lifting hands in worship is not the worship. Lifting hands is, Lord, I'm surrendered. Do with me as you will. It's a sign of surrender. The same thing with the tithe. When we give God the 10%, we're saying, look, the 90 is available to you whenever you need it. We're reminding ourselves and reminding him that, look, my finances, because money is the biggest God in people's life. The average person washes money Monday to Sunday. For some people that are not in church, it's money they run after. And your worship is not singing. Your worship is who you are devoted to. So, check your life. Many human beings are devoted to financial prosperity. That's what they've heard. You give it bulk of your life. It, you wake up, if you live in Lagos, you wake up 5 or 6 a.m. and you get back 10 p.m. every day. You can't be asking who you are devoted to. So, when we present ourselves, you give everything you have. You give your gifts, your talent, your ability, your skill, your knowledge, your certification, your degree, your business, your career. You give it to God. Your marriage, your children. You dedicate it to the Lord. You consecrate it to God. Let's see this church here. Second Corinthians chapter 8. I might have read it last week, but let's just build from there. Second Corinthians 8 from verse 1. 
We're going to read from verse 1 to 7. Say, moreover, brethren, can you give me NIV so that it will be easier? He said, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given who? <laughs> you see, when they are writing to one church and they are mentioning another church, you need to know that that church was great. This Macedonian church is the same church as the church of Thessalonica. Or is it Philip? I think Philippi. They were so great in giving. They were so great in giving. I think that the ones that Paul said, my God will supply all your needs. They were so great in giving. See, he said, I want, see, I want to tell you about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Next verse. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, they were going through a hard time, and they are overflowing what? Joy. And they are what? Extreme poverty. It welled up in rich what? Generosity. He said, these guys were going through a hard time. They were in extreme, not mild, extreme poverty. He said, yet they were still the most generous. You see, giving is not about how much you have. It's about how much you love. It's never about how much you have. God never measures giving by the quantity. It's always by the quality. Somebody can give 10 million naira for a building project and it's loose change compared to what you have. Somebody else can give 10,000 naira and that's all they have. The guy with 10,000 is rated higher in God's eyes than the guy that threw loose change of 10 million. It's always about the sacrifice. That's why there's no excuse not to be a part of the building project. At any level you are in, God knows your size. And those of you that you know your size is more than what you are giving, upgrade your size. Don't, you can't deceive God. You see, when you are still keeping some behind you, you think you are the owner. You are never the owner. Like the rich fool. They said, thou fool. Say your soul will be required of you today, then you will know who the real landlord is. He <laughs> said, joy and the extreme poverty. Weld up in general. Verse 3, quickly. He says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond what? Their ability. They gave too much. Entirely on their own. Next verse. They urgently pleaded with us for the what? Privilege. They urgently pleaded. They were begging for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord, to the lost people. They were the ones saying, when are we... And thank God for a few people in church that have been asking me that. Pastor, before last Sunday, they, they people asked me months ago that we bought the land. What's next? Are we not going to start building? They've been asking me. Thank God. Those are, these are people that have Macedonian grace. Some people that say, hey, I, do you know there are people that leave a church when there's beautiful people and come back when they finish? <laughs> we have mad people in Nigeria. <laughs> true, true story. I'm not joking. They leave a church when there's beautiful Then when they say, I've been dedicated it. Yeah, okay, I return back. I don't know how people... <laughs> this Nigerian Christian. He said, they urgently pleaded with us. When you understand these things, you are the one that will look for the opportunity. Oh, come on. He said, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the Lord's service. Uh, next verse. He says, and they exceeded what? Our expectations. They gave what? Themselves. First of all to the Lord. Before they gave money, they first gave themselves. When people give themselves, you don't have to shout about their money. They understand that their money too belongs to God. So they gave themselves. And that's what, that's what we want to deal with today. God wants everything that he has first given you. Do you know everything God, you give God he first gave you? That's what David said that they quoted in the book of Romans or so. They said, really, what are we giving God? We're not really giving God. We're just returning to him what he first gave us. Can't you see the privilege in that? It was never yours. I mean, how many of you came here with money when you gave back to you? You came with money in your hand. 
you were holding 20 naira as you came. Even if you came one year, it can't be much. Except it's a check or a bank draft. And where would you have gotten it from? So the Bible said you came naked. Naked did you come? Is her naked will you what? Return. So really, we are not giving God anything. Your talent, your ability to sing, your wisdom, your intelligence, everything that God is asking you for is what he first gave you. It would be unfair for God to ask you for something he has not given you. That's the difference between God and the world. That's why I'm, I'm telling you, let God use you. Because when the world uses you, the world is trying to exploit you. They are taking from you what they didn't give you. But when God is asking you something, he's asking you what he has already given you. In fact, the reason why he's asking you for it is because he knows you are with it. Because he gave you. He can never ask you. God can never ask me to release a music album. He can never ask me. You know why? He didn't put music in me. But he can ask me to release a preaching album because he put the ability to understand and explain scriptures in me. So he will never ask you something you don't have. You have what he's asking you for. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? He said they first gave themselves to the Lord and then by the will of God, they now also gave to us. Next verse. Quickly. Verse 6. He says, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made the beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Verse 7. I'll stop in verse 7. He said, but since you excel in everything else, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness in the love we have, I mean, complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Say, you are good in every other thing. Can you also be good in your giving? Praise God. So today I'm saying dedicate yourself. What do you have? What do you have? What can you do? In the book of Ezekiel, they were, they were speaking of an analogy that we compare with Lucifer, you know, uh, and all that. And they were mentioning things that he had. They said um, he had the excellency of wisdom, perfection and beauty, different things like that. All right? <laughs> um, and that he was covered with all kinds of precious stones and he had gold and all that. You see, he had so much going for him. But because he thought those things were for him to use on himself those things became cost. Whenever you take what God has given you to serve you, it becomes a cost. But when you take what God has given you to serve him, it becomes blessed. If you don't like the direction your life is going, change the driver. Did you understand? If you're here and you don't like how your life is going, you always complain about your life. Guess what? You need to change the driver. Let Jesus, let God be the driver. God can't drive your life and it crashes. God can't be the controller general of your life and it crashes. You are the one driving it. That's why he's looking bad. Let God take over. I've not seen God take over somebody's life and it crashes. Never seen it before. And it crashed life. It wasn't God driving. It wasn't God driving. It wasn't God driving. He has no history of failure. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? What do you have? If you are here and you have beauty, did you? I thought you'd find that scripture for me. Saying, um, King of Tyra now. Um, Ezekiel. It's a popular scripture. If you have 
beauty, if that's what you have, they say bring it and dedicate it to God. See, there's nothing useless. Everything you have is useful. It might not even look like it's so useful. But you see, in the God's hand, it's very useful. There was a popular preacher years ago that his way of ministering was through dance. It was through dance. He will preach and then he will dance and people will come out and give their lives to Christ. Are you here, somebody? <laughs> he, will, he will preach. Powerful message. Then start dancing. And it looked like, ah, uh-uh, what kind of ministration uh, is that? What do you have? If you can sing, use it for God. See, and when I say if you can sing it for God, it must not even be for you to join the choir. Sweetheart, you can't find that scripture. Uh-huh. Why do you take me so long? It's a son of man. Take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus said the Lord, thou sealest up the psalm full of, look, look at it, number one, full of what? Wisdom. So if you are here and you are, you are very smart. See, you need to understand, God gives all of us different gifts. The reason why he gives us different gifts is because he can't give one person everything. Do you understand? There's nobody that has everything. If not, you won't need people. And God needs us to connect. So, everybody has something. And that way, if I need what um, Mr. Shubo has, I need to relate with him. Then he too will need what I have. That's how life works. So, nobody has everything. So, for some people, God gave them wisdom. So, some other people, you need to go and look for wisdom. For some people, they have it naturally. They are just smart. Have you met people like that before? They might not have even gone to school. But they are just generally very smart. They can make smart decisions. They can read things easily. Everybody has, that, has a gift like that. So, it's either you have wisdom, you, 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 you are intelligent, you know. Some people just have academic strength. They are good scholars. They are good students. You know, it's in time past. We didn't know all these things. So, we, we used to elevate some people's gift over other people's gift. It's not that the world is balancing a bit. Even you that have many children, you need to understand that your children are differently gifted. Some will be academic. Never compare that one to the one that likes to dance. There are some that they don't like book. Some of you have those young children. He can't sit down for two minutes to read. But he'll be dancing. No music is playing. But he's playing inside his head. That's a music producer. Don't kill that guy's dream. Because you want to do math, English, and chemistry. <laughs> it's in time past we didn't know all that. So we used to shout, you must read your book. You must pass. You must. My brother, go and sit down. All the people that have read, where are they going with it? Where have they gone with it? It's because we didn't understand that God, in his infinite wisdom, has spread the gifts. So we have only, the school system elevates only people that are academically smart. It's only now that people are understanding, and especially in in developed nations, that they they give scholarship based on sports. Now they understand. For this scholarship, if you get 10 A1 scholarship, now if you can score 10 goals, you are not less than this guy. And in life, actually, those guys that do sports actually are richer most times. Somebody get what I'm saying? Of course, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't learn the basics. I'm just trying to say that we, we get the school system generally values the wrong thing. That's why you can't let men dictate to you how life you run. This is why you need to listen to God. Because sometimes men might not value the gift you have. But God knows the gift he put in you. And there's no worthless gift. There's no worthless gift. Before now, comedy was not a job. 
cracking joke. How is that work? Today is a job. It's a field. It's a career. So, and so many other things. So, here they said, he said, um, he, he, thou still has a psalm. Thou art full of what? Wisdom. So are you here? Your own is that you are very wise. Listen, if you don't dedicate that wisdom to God, guess who will use it? Satan. Have you seen people that are bad people and they are incredibly genius at it? That's what happened. God gave them wisdom. They didn't use it to serve God. Satan, see, nature abhors vacuum. If you don't give God that thing you have, eh, somebody will still use you. Last, last. You know most of the popular reigning musicians were from church. If they don't dedicate that gift to God, somebody will use it. And listen. And somebody said, but ah, if they are using it the way they are using it, it's profiting them. Mm-mm. You need to realize, and this is where human beings, especially Christians, you need to understand, the way God views success. It's not the way men view success. You need to understand. You need to understand. Because sometimes the gift God gives you is so powerful. If you don't bring it back to him, that gift can destroy you. So, would you say Solomon was successful? Solomon was full of wisdom. He didn't dedicate it to God. He started with God. Though. Solomon started with God. Even that wisdom, the way he got it was by dedication. God asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, me? For me, okay. He said, I don't need anything. No. Just help me do your work. Ah! God said, you cut it. I bless dedication. God gave him, God said, I will give you wisdom and even the things you didn't ask for. Money, riches, peace, victory, I will give you all. But immediately he got it. He stopped dedicating it. He started rocking it. Mm. <laughs> if God blesses you with a car, instead of you to be using it to bring people to church, you want to come and be carrying girls. <laughs> you start rocking it. You start rocking it. You don't want to groove. You want to travel the world. You start having dreams that don't have that doesn't have God in it. You want to build many houses so that you can have many tenants so that you'll be the you chief doctor landlord. <laughs> Instead of thinking about building God's house, you see. When you start thinking like that, that's what happened to Solomon. So in the, in the eyes of the world, Solomon was a great person, but in the eyes of God, he lost it. So you need to know what measures. See somebody like Michael Jackson, great gift. His gift eventually killed him. So the thing you are calling success you need to be sure. You are looking at material things. That's your problem. You're only looking at, you know, it's greed, African hunger. You're looking at money. You're looking at status. But you see, life, life is not all about status. Legacy is more important than status. Because many of the guys that have that gift, once they don't dedicate it to God, first thing that happens, they will start having many children outside everywhere. And what you don't realize, and I'm telling you this now as a counselor, as in, I counsel people every week from all over the world. And one thing I can tell you for free is that when children don't grow in a proper home of husband and wife, where the husband and wife love each other, or not that just, you know, you know, they can be husband and wife and they are both misbehaving. You see, children catch what is going on beyond what you are saying. They can catch the atmosphere. And I can tell you as a counselor, once you are, a child grows up in a home, either where is one single parent or is scatter scatter husband and wife that are fighting, it will affect that child's esteem. It will affect how they see life. It surely affects how they run their own race. It's statistically proven. Me, I've also learned it by experience after 20 years of counseling. 
So you see, you are saying he's successful, but he's raising children without parents. You are clapping. You see, you are looking at money. God is looking at legacy. God is looking at example. You are just looking at good money. Your, own, your life starts and ends with money. You see, but God is looking at what kind of example? What will that child face? Not growing with a father or not growing with a mother. Or growing with a father and mother that are always fighting. When you don't dedicate that gift back to God. He said, full of wisdom. You are very smart. Next one. He said, I'm perfect in what? Beauty. Have you seen people that they are just too fine? So when they do this person, what do this guy? What's wrong with you? Or just one guy, everything just set. The beard correct, the lips correct, the hair. So what's wrong with you? We are trying to serve God. You are disturbing everybody here. They are distracting us. We are trying to serve Jesus Christ. Have you met those kind of people before? Perfect in what? Beauty. See, if you don't serve God without beauty, you know what will happen? People say, oh, you are so beautiful. You are so fine. You are so fine. You just... <laughs> You just be collecting all the praise. You will rock it. And anything you don't bring back to God, it becomes cost. It becomes cost. You need to bring that beauty and say, Lord, what, 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 why did you give me this beauty? What am I supposed to use it for? Do you know there's a way you'll be fine? You can lead people to Christ. Don't be a very fine girl. Just say, excuse me. Say, huh? <laughs> say, follow me to church. <laughs> he doesn't follow you. Doesn't even know where we are going. <laughs> Says, knee down, raise your hand. Say after me, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you, the people that are that fine. I'm telling you, there are some guys that once they greet a girl, say, "How are you?" <laughs> <laughs> Lift your hand and say after me. <laughs> Guess what I'm talking about? Perfect in beauty. If you don't dedicate it to God, Satan will use it. But you, that using, you must be used. Perfect in beauty. So if you have very good shape, you'll be wearing tight, tight things to confuse people. If you don't dedicate it to God, you will want to take the praise that belongs to God. That's the temptation you will have. That's why you must bring it back to God. See the next one. He said, that has been in Eden of Garden of God. Every precious stone was what? Thy covering. This incredible dress sense. He said, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the oinks. You see dress sense. How many of you have met people that, when they dress? Mm-mm. What is happening? Who they fight you? Who they fight you? Even when they are dressed casual, I say, we're just going now. Not, this is not, we're just going to the next door. Everything to their sleepers is still set. I had, we had one guy in my secondary school that time. This is how it works. No joke. He's always checking himself out. <laughs> That's what happens. He's not supposed to be looking down. He's supposed to be looking up. <laughs> Hallelujah. To the God that gave the gift. This is what happened to Satan. They gave him many gifts. He he wanted to worship himself. He wanted to worship. Next one. Let me move quickly. He said, Jasper and Sapphire and Emerald and other. He said, the work, this is the workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes was prepared in the day that thou was created. So, they, they were describing Lucifer that he had musical instruments attached to him. So, this is your gift. You can sing. You can play instruments. 
and you are thinking you are comparing yourself to secular musicians. That's not who you should compare yourself to. You need to bring that gift back. You can sing. Stop singing in the bathroom <laughs> to yourself. Stop singing in nightclub. Bring that gift to church. And like I was saying earlier on, even if you don't want to use the gift in choir, it's okay to sing songs that are even secular songs. There's nothing wrong with it. As long as they are not vulgar songs. Because some Christians think if I'm singing, I must only sing Jesus is the sweetest name. No. No. You can sing songs about life. There are many things about life you can sing about. You can sing political songs. You can sing love songs. We are the owners of love, not the world. Hallelujah. We are the owners. If we don't sing about it, they will keep misrepresenting it. And you see, music travels longer than, faster than preaching. Music travels faster than preaching. Music will enter everybody's mouth worldwide. I've been preaching for 25 years. I don't know the time that everybody's preaching my message. No. But music, everybody, old and young, you know, I, 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 was, I was in Zanzibar one day. I, I went to do, do a destination wedding in Zanzibar. You know Zanzibar? Um, what country is that again? Tanzania, have so it's, it's a very beautiful island, everything, Zanzibar. I was there to do a destination wedding. Somebody wedding and I was there. You know, so we went into one of these bushes. There's a bush where they, go, they will show you plants, different plants that can do different things. Inside the bush, we met one boy there and he said, you're from Nigeria? Yes. He said, he knows Davido. Do you know Davido? Do you know whiskey? Inside bush in Zanzibar. <laughs> I'm just going to show you that music travels more than preaching. So, you don't have to sing, Jesus is the sweetest. No. You can sing long love. We are the owners of love. I put a, I put a post yesterday of me pecking my wife on, on her head. Do you know, so, one person came there and said, eh, this kind of thing. person entered my DM. Say, this kind of thing. I'm not sure you're supposed to post it. <laughs> it wasn't even sexual kiss. So, it's kissing on the head though. So, it wasn't even romantic, sexual. Kissing on the head. He said, I said, do you know that the, the Bible to- show talks about kissing? I said, go and tell your Bible. I said, do you know the Bible talks about breast? That let your wife's breast satisfy you. You see, Christians are always shying away from things that we are the owner. Don't run from... It's okay to... Sex is beautiful. In marriage, sex is beautiful. But we are dodging it. So we are letting, we are letting the world misinterpret and tell us their own version of it. What's wrong with sex? Sex is beautiful. Sex was created by God. So we need to be talking about it. We need to show it that it's okay. If it's done in marriage. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So, if you have that musical gift, that, um, you don't have to sing uh, um, gospel. You can sing love songs, you can sing um, so- conscious music, songs about life, songs about experiences. Now, when you now do that, this is what you now do. When you now do it, it's something with movies. If that's your gift, you can write movies or you can act, you can do movies. You don't have to act only Christian films. Now, the issue is this. Whatever it is you are acting, still understand that it is dedicated to the Lord. That's the secret. And that's what God wants. God doesn't want all the actors and all the musicians and all the bankers to be. Is there, is there anything like a Christian banker? So why, why must you only be a Christian musician? You can be a musician. Only that you understand who you are dedicated. That means there are some kind of things you can't act. There are some kind of things you can't sing. Because you understand you are a dedicated person. You are a living sacrifice. And on the short run, to look like, oh, you're not getting some jobs, you're not getting... That's why you say living sacrifice. Christianity costs now. They didn't hand it over to us by prayer now. Somebody went to the cross and hung and died. 
Because we're trying to do Christianity as if they give, they, they give it an envelope. It's not an envelope they give it. You hang. Living sacrifice. Just can't say, take up your own cross. Follow me. That means you too go hang. You go reach the stage where you go hang yourself. Somebody getting what I'm saying? So, you can be a teacher. There's nothing like Christian teacher. Just make sure you are dedicated. That your gift, your ability, you are in partnership. Those of you in business, you need to make Jesus your business partner. This means the values of your business. You can't be cheating. You can't be mixing figures. You can't be hiding money. You understand that the values of your business is clear. That you honor God. That you respect God. That God is your business partner. There's a guy called R.G. Lotonio. We've talked about him many times. One of the richest guys in America at the time. He started, he didn't go to school. But he began to work with God. And he started, well, he learned the power of tithing. And began to tithe. And he said he made God his business partner. That's how he started. That's how he understood tithing. He understood it from the point of view that God is my business partner. And I wish businessmen can understand that. That's why you are bothered about economy. Because you don't know who your partner is. Or you've never really brought him as your partner. You are the one running the business. So economy will affect you now. How won't it affect you? He said you understood tithing to mean that God is my partner. And God began to bless him. He registered about 300 patents before he died. 300. He began to make earth-moving equipment. That's caterpillars. He began to make that. And these things, he, he didn't go to school. So he didn't even study engineering. He didn't go to school at all. He said he would be dreaming in the night and he would be seeing those machines. And he would call engineers and say, this is what I saw in the night. They would create it. He would say, mm, it didn't look like this. Change it. And that's how he described machines to them. That he got in the dream. And they began to create it. And the moment they started making it, World War II or so, World War, I can't remember which of the World War started, and they needed those machines. And he began to supply government. If you know anything about supplying government during war, he became a multi-billionaire. And when the money was rolling in, he increased his tithing. He got to a stage where him and his wife were discussing. The wife, he, wife said, honey, I think we should start giving God 50% because he's our partner. You know, in partnership, it's 50-50. We should start giving God 50%. He said, God forbid. He said, I can never give God 50%. So I will give God 90%. The wife was surprised. The wife was going to say, it's too much. Wife, he said to the wife, I'm going to give God 90%. Because even though he's my partner, he's the main partner. He brings the idea. He brings the customers. He brings the creativity. He brings everything. What am I bringing? I'm just making myself available. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he was paying tight 90% and keeping 10%. So far, seeing big debate about giving 10%. But there are people that are giving 90% and he was still a multi-billionaire. He built universities, sponsored many gospel things, multi-billionaire, and was giving God 90%. See God, dedicate that business. See God as your partner. See that your career, you're a banker, you're a lawyer, whatever. That your career, God is your partner in it. So you don't even take any job until God says so. You understand that you are here representing God. You are here. This life is not just your own anymore. You have handed it over to a better manager than you. If God is your manager, you must do well. It is what the Bible calls being a bond servant. And I'll round up from here. It's what the Bible calls being a bond servant. You see, there's a difference between a bond servant and a normal servant. Both Paul and Peter identified themselves as bond servant. In fact, one time Paul said, I'm like a drink offering being poured out. What is special about a drink offering? A drink offering, see? When I do goat offering, 
there can still be something in the goats that even me I can eat. Do you understand? I mean, if you kill goats and sacrifices and do bunnies, some parts go still there and will feature up. But a drink offering, when you pour it, it's gone. If I pour water here now, can I ever take the drink back? It's gone forever. So Paul described himself many times as a drink offering being poured out. It means I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man walk. I can't be retrieved. But him and Peter, okay, this, this is one of it. He said, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. It's also in Timothy, if you can get that one too. He said, I'm, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. That means you can't save anything from this life and point everything out to God. And this, that should be our testimony for all of us. We should pour ourselves out to God. Look at this here. He said, for I'm already being what? Poured out like a drink offering. He said, and the time for my departure is there. He said, I'm already being poured out. That's how we must all live. Pour out yourself. Look, you, this your life is like a seed. You must still invest it. The issue is what are you investing on? Are you investing on things that won't last? If it's only this life, this money, this marriage, this, all these things of this life you're investing in, it's not going to count. The one you invest in God is the one that will leave all of us. Make up your mind to be like Paul. Pour out yourself. Let's see where they said. Rome, this, time, this time, give me New King James Version. Romans 1.1. 1, 1. New King James Version. Now. New King James Version. It says, I, Paul, a what? I can't hear you. I, Paul, a what? Bond servant of Jesus Christ. Bond servant. Give me First Peter, I mean, Second Peter 1 1 also. Second Peter 1 1. Same New King James. Same New King James. There's a very thing a bond servant. Look at this. It says Simon Peter, a what? Bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. A bond what? Servant. Why were they both describing themselves as bond servant? You see, in the Jewish culture, they understood what that meant. A normal servant usually served for a particular time and was set free. But a bond servant, what happens for you to be a bond servant is that after you serve your fixed time, whether it's seven years or whatever, when you have finished your tenure and you are due to be free, that bond servant will now say, now, this servant is slave, oh. It's not like house help, It's slave. So you need to understand what we're saying. It means that person owns you. It's not house help that you're paying salary. They don't pay slave salary. You just feed them. And house them, but you don't pay them. I need to understand what I'm saying. So it's not employment. So this bond servant, when his tenure is over and is free to go, this bond servant will now come willingly by himself and say, You know what? I'm free to go, but I don't want to go. I now pledge myself to be your servant for life. For life. Oh. Not, I want to give you under two years. No. Once your time is over and you now come back and say, I want to be a willing servant, they will now pierce your ear. They will pierce it at the door. It's in Exodus. <clears throat> Exodus 21. Let's just go to verse 6 because I don't want to read the long story. Exodus um, 21, verse 6. It says, when the born servant now comes and says, when the servant now comes and said, now I pledge to serve you willingly. That's, that's the difference. The first time it was by force. But this time, I'm the one willingly giving myself. Say, then his master shall bring him to the judges. You can read verse 5. Let me see if it connects so that it will show. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. That means I don't want to go. I want to be your slave. Next verse. 
He says, if he does that, then his master shall bring him to the judges so that officially everybody will know that this guy is not going again. After that, he will also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. And all is that thing, if you see people that do leather work, you know that sharp thing they used to pierce the leather to sew it or to do whatever. You know that sharp thing? Mm. They will put it in fire and everything and pierce the ear of that slave and it shall serve him forever. They do it by the doorpost so that anytime you are passing, you won't remember not to run away. Because there will be many opportunities to run away. But they pierce your ear in the doorpost so that the blood will pour at the door and the doorpost. Every time you are passing that door, you remember that there's a covenant. There must be shedding of blood whenever there's covenant. So that's why. When they pierce your ear, apart from putting whatever they put there, blood has poured on the doorpost. Every time you are going out, you say, I, I can run away, oh, but I've made a covenant to stay and to serve. And you can see Paul and Peter saying, I'm a born servant. I've sworn to serve this Jesus. So like I said, every Sunday we will lay down our lives. Are there people today that want to be born servants? That's why Paul said, I have in me the mark of the Lord Jesus. Let nobody trouble me. He's saying, look, I don't even belong to me. You're shouting at me, you're wasting your time. I don't belong to me. Nothing I own is my own. Everything I have belongs to my master. He can call for it. And enter. Are there things in your possession that if God says, give me this thing to pay you? Or you will, you, you will hesitate? Give him anything. It can be your car. It can be... <laughs> I've given cars when I didn't have car. I've given land when I didn't have land. I've shared those things with you. I gave... One time I gave my car and there was no car in the house. Not that, I, not that I had extra car. I've told you this loose change mentality. It's not Christian. No. Sometimes God wants you to give your only son whom thou lovest. It's not the loose one. The car that is already broken down, already shaking. That's why you want to give God. You can't even drive it to the church. He's not even making it. Then he said, I give it to the Lord. God knows it's loose change. This was my only car whom I lovest. I gave the car. I think it was a Jeep or something. I gave the car to one pastor or something. I just gave it up. So I and my wife had to get a lift to come to church and to go to the office. Sometimes I walk to the office because my office wasn't so far. My office was at Apple Junction. I lived in Apple Estate. So I walked to my office. And I was popular. I was on TV. So people used to, when people see me walking, they stop. I say, is there any problem? I say, no problem. I'm just going to walk. There's no problem. And guess what? While I didn't have a car, somebody came and gave me a brand new car, Toyota Corolla. New one, see, had nylon, as in brand new, not Tokumbo. New, as in 100% new, that had nylon. Brand new Toyota Corolla. <laughs> when they gave me that car, I also knew the moment I saw the car that it wasn't my own. I didn't have a car, that's a good time to collect that one. But from the day it landed, I just packed it and said, Lord, who is the owner of this car? So, I, just, I kept waiting. In one or two weeks, God told me who to give it to. Now listen, I called the person, I gave the person the car. He's a pastor too. I gave him the car. Guess what? When I gave the guy the car, the pastor was crying. And when he was crying, I was saying, well, <laughs> I know the car is a big thing, but you know rich for grown man. We get wife and children to the cry. Do you understand? And he now had to tell me that he's not crying because of the car. I said, good. He said, when he was in university many years ago, there was a, a time God told him, what does he want? 
or what does he need for ministry? He said he wants a, he mentioned the car exactly, a blue Toyota Corolla. He was in university. This was many years after university. And I gave him a brand new blue Toyota Corolla. So that's why he was crying. That God remembered the agreement they had. Man. You, see, you see, when you are in a way that God can use you to answer people's prayer. You see, God is running a big organization here. So something in your possession is for somebody else. And when God takes it from you, he's going to give you something else. Better. When anything enters your hand is not your harvest, then let it be your seed. I told you how I gave my land in Amuo here. Beautiful land, good estate. It was the only land I had. I, it took me months to... I gathered money from everywhere. It took me installment payment to buy the land. Everything came to about 16 million that time. I paid installment. I didn't have that kind of money. But I wanted that land because I thought it would live in Amuo then. Beautiful land. When we're buying one of the projects, I don't know if this one, Island Church. I gave the land to the property. I gave it to the seed, the whole property. That time, the land was worth about double of what I bought it when I gave it. Gave it. Today, where I live, if you beg me to come and live in that place where I bought now, I won't even agree. I live in a way better place. God can't take from you and not give you better. He's just too big for that. Somebody get what I'm saying? So do you want to lay down yourself today? I want to give you a chance to do that. You want to say, I want to be a bond servant. Can you rise to your feet? Like I said, every Sunday we're going to lay down something. Today you're going to say every gift, every certificate, every qualification that I have, everything I have, Lord, I'm bringing it to you today. Use me. Can you take one minute to talk to God? Just take one minute to talk to God. If you are interested, if you are interested, just don't worry. Just wait for us. We'll come back to where you can join. Lord, I lay down my degrees. I'm a master degree holder. I put it down. I will use it to serve you. I'm a PhD holder. I will use it to serve you. I'm a big businessman. Lord, you are my business partner from today. Use anything within my resources for your glory. <laughs> I'm your born servant. I am free to go and eat the money. I'm free to drive the car. But I willingly bring it. I willingly bring it as a bond servant today. I'm free to spend the money the way I like. But instead, I bring it as a bond servant. Today, we're coming as bond servants, dedicating everything in our possession our gifts, our looks, our dress our money, our gift, our abilities. our. our We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 080-777-14411 or 080-777-14412 or you can visit our website on www.davidschristiancenter.org David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.